Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Welcome back to Great Lakes Confidential with your host Angie and Mike. We gotta no, we gotta do the what you wanted to do like last time where we uh, were oh. characters. <laughs> okay. So I'll be uh, I'll be Captain Santa. Okay. Um, Can you do I like be? a? Hi, I'm Lake Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Do you want me to start it with Lake Michigan? No, you got to start then. Okay. <laughs> you're not Hi. putting all of this in there, right? Like you're going to. We'll no. see. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Great Lakes Confidential. I'm Captain Santa. I got to figure out what his voice is going to be. He's kind of German, but he's also Midwestern. (laughs) I'm Captain Santa. (laughs) You're not going to be able to get your lips on it if you're laughing. And I'm Lake Michigan. (laughs) I'd give that a solid C plus. Hi, Angie. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Good. I planned that in advance because you told me how much you hate it that you laugh on the podcast. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to spring something to make you laugh. No, I feel like you've like this has become like your um your purpose on the show is yeah. to make me laugh about stupid things uh-huh. so that when I listen to the show on my own, I get to hear myself just stupidly and sometimes maniacally laughing at the thing is, is like people can't see your facial expressions, so they don't understand like what I'm seeing and what I'm laughing at. So like when they hear me laughing at something that you've said, they're probably like, that's not that funny. <laughs> but they don't get the full effect. And it's a different experience. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it just happens to be that I'm a dad and your sense of humor apparently enjoys dad jokes i do well you know my best friend lauren she does a daily dad joke so it yes. makes it makes perfect sense yeah and i am just kind of ridiculous so yeah you know think of me as your male lauren <laughs> okay your male lauren <laughs> <laughs> male lauren all right Thank you for being my male Loren. <laughs> You're welcome. So you wrote a show for us today. I did. I'm excited about this one, especially because this is coming out right on time for the holiday. So, Yay. so this is a good one. I never heard of the story before, and um, I like the way that you kind of put this all together. So I'm excited. Yeah, we're gonna try something new. Instead of me just telling you the whole story, I've scripted it out. For both of us. Yay. Yeah. All right. You want to get started? Yeah. Let's do it. 
Friday, November 22, 1912, Captain Herman Schooneman finished loading 5,500 Christmas trees onto his schooner, the Rouse Simmons. It was dangerous making this voyage from Manistique, Michigan to Chicago this time of the year, but he had to. Christmas trees were his family business, and it had been for 30 years now. Plus, money was tight since his big brother August died in a shipwreck on these very waters a decade and a half prior. You saw mall rats, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, if you stare at this poster for a few seconds, a hidden picture appears. Can we do it, please? Please? All right, go ahead. But hurry, the Easter Bunny's waiting. Wow, it's a schooner. <laughs> it's not a schooner, it's a sailboat. A schooner is a sailboat, stupid head. You know what? There is no Easter Bunny! Over there, that's just a guy in a suit! So yeah, uh, Schooneman promised his wife Barbara and their three daughters, Elsie and the twins, Hazel and Pearl, uh, his week-long voyage was going to be totally fine. And he was Captain Santa, after all, and he had a legacy to preserve. So he padded the newspaper clipping from the Chicago Tribune that sat nestled in his waterproof oilskin satchel amongst business cards to debtors and his own expense ledgers. And uh, the papers dubbed him Captain Santa because he was the top Christmas tree salesman in town. Most of the vendors would sell to like a middleman uh, and then they would take their own cut of the profit. But Herman, uh, he did it different. He turned the Rouse Simmons into a floating Christmas tree lot right on the docks at Clark Street in Chicago. And the ship was adorned with like electric Christmas lights and there was like a giant Christmas tree on the mass and uh, he sold directly to the people at such low prices that they were like much lower than his competitors like 50 cents to a dollar per tree which is even adjusted for inflation is lower than a Christmas tree these days and that was anywhere between like half to a quarter of what his competitors charge and the trees that were left well he donated those to churches and less fortunate who couldn't even afford trees because he kind of believed that everyone should be able to have Christmas. Barbara Schooneman supported the family's Christmas tree business. She knew how much August meant to her husband, and she was German, and the Tannenbaum was one of the German traditions that made its way to America, and it brought back memories of her own childhood. Plus, their daughters liked it, that their dad was famously known as Captain Santa. And truth be told, it didn't hurt the family business either. But the Captain Santa moniker wasn't just marketing. Herman believed in Christmas. He believed in the spirit of Christmas. He believed in the spirit of giving. Can you do Barbara's voice? No. Like she immigrated <laughs> from Germany. Like she is. Not happening. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do voices. She's like, Papa sell und Christmas tree. <laughs> And Elsie and Hazel are like, yeah, Papa, it is still okay to be German. <laughs> the Nazis will not start to become bad guys for another 30 years. Oh, I don't know why they became Irish for a second. 30 years. That was real weird. <laughs> yep. So uh, 5,500 Christmas trees was a heavy load, but the Rouse Simmons wasn't sitting low in the water. Schooneman felt confident that his ship could make it. And this was going to be the last trip of the season. It had to make it. It wasn't just 5,500 trees. It was 5,500 Christmas trees that would go to 5,500 families. And he had to make this trip because it's what August would do. It's it, August always took gambles. And uh, he finally bought like 
August finally bought his own ship. He won it in an auction, and then it sunk two weeks later. The twins were born like mere month before their uncle August died. They never know Herman's big brother, not in person anyway, but they felt like they knew him through the stories that their father would share as the family would make handmade Christmas wreaths and garland to sell alongside the trees that had been the family business for 35 years now. Like everyone in the family was like super involved with this. I can see all of this in my mind. What would the daughters be saying? I I can't hear them. I can just see them. Had me some more mistletoe, <laughs> Elsie. I need to put it on the Christmas tree. I, I don't. It's not German. It's not I don't great. Know. No. Yeah. <laughs> Small children in Manistique hurried to the Rouse Simmons. They knew every year Captain Santa would have presents for them. This year was different, though. Money was tight for Captain Santa, so the sailor with the giant mustache and even larger heart was only able to offer the children pieces of candy instead. Did you look at pictures of him at all? No. His mustache is epic. Is it? Yeah, oh, yeah. I'll post some then. Yeah. Oh, you're going to love it. One of Schooneman's sailors, Big Bill Sullivan, noticed rats running from the ship towards the dry land like they had a premonition of bad things to come. He got cold feet and brought his concern to Schooneman. He said, Captain, the rats. He nodded to the fleeing rodents. Schooneman saw the concern in the young sailor's eyes. Aye, you think it's an omen, do you, son? Aye, Captain. <laughs> really, that's Big Bill Sullivan? That's all I got. <laughs> I feel like he should have like some sort of like, aye, Captain. <laughs> oh, you almost did it. Do it, do it, do it. I'm trying. Do it. Hi, Captain. Fair enough, Big Bill. <laughs> now, <laughs> Schooneman's just a pirate. <laughs> Never let it be said, Captain Santa. Maybe he should be more like Wisconsin. He spends a lot of time in Manistique. Maybe he should have a Uber <laughs> accent. Probably. Let's see. Oh, yeah? You like, uh, what do they say in the UP? I don't know. Uh, snowmobiles, eh? <laughs> no, that's Canadian. Never let it be said, Captain Santa would force one of his men into danger. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you again at the start of next season there, Big Bill. Take a train back to Chicago and see me at the dock so you can grab uh, yourself one of them Christmas trees for your family. Hey, Big Bill, why you laughing like that? I'm giving you an out. Big Bill. You sound like a character from Saturday Night Live doing like the Chicago Bears skits. Oh, uh, well, you know, he, you know, Schooneman did live in Chicago. Aye, aye, Cap'n. The rat scurrying from the ship on a superstitious level can be a bad omen, but on a practical level, rats can get into places humans can't. And there's a chance that the rats saw water leaking below deck on the Rouse Simmons. The ship was 42 years old in an age when the average lifespan of a schooner on the Great Lakes was only 25 years. The Rouse Simmons was named after a businessman politician whose brother is actually the Simmons who founded the Serta Simmons Beauty Rest Mattress Company that's still in business today. And if you go to SertaSimmonsBeautyRest.com and use coupon code <laughs> <laughs> Angie Giggles <laughs> they'll say that's not a valid that's not a valid code. <laughs> code. <laughs> so Schooneman understood the boy's concern. It was only two years prior the Rouse Simmons was held in Grand Haven, Michigan, because it was sitting low in the water and deemed unseaworthy. But the ship had been recocked last year, and while yearly maintenance stated it should have been recocked again this year, too, 
Financially, it just wasn't viable. But this voyage would change that. Early heavy snow this year made the competitor's Christmas tree supply low. And he knew if he had this voyage, he'd not only be able to make a substantial profit, but he'd still be able to donate trees to less fortunate so they wouldn't have to go without. And that substantial profit would make it possible for Schooneman to recock the Rouse Simmons and do other necessary maintenance. So next year, none of the sailors would have the same concerns. So uh, Christmas trees, not only a symbol of hope for Christmas, but a symbol of hope for Schooneman. And how fitting that was. Herman Schooneman was Captain Santa after all. Plus, despite the dark clouds to the west, there weren't any storms in the forecast. Another sailor, Hogan Hoganson, did a head... Which sounds like a made-up name. It does. Yeah. Another sailor, Hogan Hoganson, did a head count of the crew, 13. He voiced his concern to Schooneman. Now, Hogan Hoganson has to have a different voice than Big Bill. Captain, we're leaving on a Wait, Friday. What? The unluckiest day for a sailor, and we only total 13. You're attempting the Wraith of Poseidon, aren't you? Herman Schooneman was a good-natured man, but every man has a limit. Well then, Hoganson, I really thought you were going to sound more like the Hulkster to tell you the truth, but uh, if you're too yellow to sail, then it looks like we'll only have 12. Embarrassed, possibly by his voice, Hoganson ran off to the train station where Big Bill Sullivan was headed. The other sailors laughed. I did you get a load of his voice. <laughs> I never heard Hogan Hoganson talk out loud before. Oh yeah, he sounded a little bit like a chipmunk. <laughs> I think he sounded more like a cartoon character you can see in a Nickelodeon. This is what you get, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fridays and the number 13 aren't the only sailor superstitions. Here are more. Um, these are fun. No whistling. No women. No gingers. That rules out my son, Harry. <laughs> no Jonas. No suitcases. No clergy. No flowers. Isn't that bananas, Angie? It is bananas. No bananas! <laughs> and don't say drown, good luck, or goodbye. And whatever you do, don't swear while fishing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Or feed sailors after midnight or get them wet. <laughs> uh, never rename your ship. Don't shoot an albatross and take care of the ship cat. There are tattoo superstitions, too. Ooh, we both have tattoos. We got a lot of them. Get a tattoo of a star to guide you home. Always step on board with your right foot and get a tattoo of a pig or a rooster on that foot so it'll step on land again. I have a tattoo of a star. Do you? Mm -hmm. oh, I have good. Brad Pitt over my heart. <laughs> Can't stand you. <laughs> Schooneman's co-captain, Captain Charles Nelson, a 50-year veteran of these waters, approached. Twelve men. Do you remember That's who Charles Nelson men. Riley is? <laughs> yes. I want him to sound like Charles Nelson Riley. I can't. Why this are you doing this? Flamboyantly to me? offensive. <laughs> this is the only other voice I have in me. Hold on. Okay. Twelve men. That's not a lot of men for a trip this late in the year, Herman. Herman agreed. <laughs> the years haven't been good to you, Charlie. <laughs> Your voice makes you sound like an angry Muppet. So what do you recommend? My voice has just become oh, a completely new character. I used to sound like this. Hey, Charlie, what do you recommend? 
I was imitating one of the sailors. There's 12 uh, of them. Well, is, you know, 11 of them. This has been quite a roller coaster ride. <laughs> Nelson's daughter, Alvita, had a premonition about this voyage. She voiced to her father before he left Chicago for the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. I wonder what her voice was sounding like. <laughs> she begged him to delay the trip. Oh, Papa! <laughs> Nelson knew it was pointless to bring this up to Schooneman. That was the toll for sailing with the famous Captain Santa. If in theater, the show must go on. On the Rouse Simmons, Christmas mu- must go on. We could offer free passage to some of the local lubbermen. <clears throat> Hold on. Is that Elvita's voice? No, no, no. Whose that's, voice is that? That's Charles Nelson. We could offer... <laughs> <laughs> We could offer free passage to some of the local lumbermen. Have extra hands on deck should we need them. <laughs> Shoot him and smiled at the veteran co-captain and marveled at the fact that he started to sound even more like an angry Muppet than he had before. <laughs> that was an excellent idea. So with 16 men in total, the Rouse Simmons looked like a floating evergreen forest as it left Manistique for the week-long voyage to Chicago. This wouldn't just be the final voyage of the year for Captain Santa and his crew. This would be the final voyage <laughs> of, their, of their, lives. their lives. I shouldn't laugh at that. 16 sorry. people died, I'm Angie. Sorry, You're sorry. laughing. What happened in the next 24 hours remained a mystery for the next 96 years. But here's the story of the last time anyone saw the Rouse Simmons. The temperatures were freezing and it had rained the night before, but the waters had been calm the next day. Captain Nelson Crate was stationed at the life-saving station in Kewanee, Wisconsin, on the shores of Lake Michigan. Despite the calm water, Crate knew all too well the waters of Lake Michigan could still be quite treacherous because of the weekend snowfall. The lone gas-powered tug available to the station was already out on the water helping a ship in distress. Crate wasn't too worried, though, because this time of year, there wasn't a lot of traffic on Lake Michigan. And even though they had narrowly missed the winter storm, most sailors would have known well enough to stay harbored with the snowfall limiting visibility. It should be a quiet weekend. Shortly after lunchtime, the snow picked up as Crate thought of the Thanksgiving feast that was less than a week away. Next week, at this time, he'd be eating leftovers. This year, his wife is trying a brand new dish. Cranberry sauce. Relatives of Massachusetts had tried the recipe and the crates were eager to try it. So eager, in fact, that Mrs. Crate already whipped up a batch (laughs) and it went over splendidly. In fact, Nelson thought, why, the only way this new invention, cranberry sauce, could be any better would be if it were a gelatinous and canned and came out in the can shape of the can itself, Uh, like a gelatinous tube of cranberry sauce, you know, maintaining the exact shape of the can. Mmm, that sounds appetizing, (laughs) but that's still 29 years away. Cranberry sauce actually did come to America this year. Did it? Uh, So I thought it would be kind of fun to include that research. That is a very real anecdote. I don't know how I discovered that happened the same year, but I'm like, wow, this does happen around Thanksgiving. So um, That's crazy. Yeah. Ugh, cranberry said- sauce is gross. I don't, I don't, I don't like cranberries. All right, uh, moving on. What is wrong with you? <laughs> you know how many angry letters you're going to get, angry phone calls. You're I hope get a about lot. Maybe that'll sauce? make me famous. Yeah. <laughs> 
no one's ever been famous in history for disliking someone. Mm. Tolerance is key to being remembered as a hero. Wow. Okay. Cranberry racist. <laughs> Great thoughts of cranberries and leftover turkey were interrupted at 2.50 when out on the waters of Lake Michigan, he spotted a schooner. Only later did he find out the schooner was the Rouse Simmons. Craig could tell that the schooner was in distress as it sailed south because its flags were flying half-mast. The tug available to him was needed after all, but he was unable to reach it. So at 310, Craig telephoned the next life-saving station to the south in Two Rivers. Station keeper Captain George Sog uh, answered, but... Uh, and immediately ordered his boatmen out to rescue the schooner. But dark clouds were rolling in. The snow began to fall. In the increasingly bad weather, they were unable to find the Rouse Simmons. The ship vanished in the November winter waters of Lake Michigan. Barbara Schooneman and her daughters were anxiously waiting at port in Chicago for her husband's return. When he didn't arrive the first day, she was concerned, but not overly so. It wasn't uncommon for Herman to be late. He was a cautious captain and would take it slow and easy, especially since Lake Michigan took August on a very similar voyage. Days turned to weeks, which turned to months, when Barbara's worst fears were confirmed. Remnants of Christmas trees were reported washing ashore to the coastline to the north in Wisconsin. Twelve years later, fishermen aboard a ship coincidentally named the Reindeer hauled in their nets and found a waterproof oilskin satchel. Dun, dun, dun. Inside were business cards, a ledger, and a Chicago Tribune newspaper article dubbing Herman Schooneman Captain Santa. It was confirmed. Lake Michigan took not one, but both Schooneman brothers. This, along with a bottle found years earlier in Sheboygan with a message inside written by Captain Charles Nelson were the only remains found of the crew of the Rouse Simmons. The message inside Nelson's bottle read, 10.30 p.m. Friday. Everybody goodbye. I guess we are all through. Small boat washed overboard. Ingvald and Stephen lost too. God help us. The following year, a golden-haired young lady went to the local newspapers and announced, The people of Chicago must have their Christmas trees. The Christmas tree ship would be active again this year. I feel like she probably said it with more gusto than that. The people of Chicago must have their Christmas trees. The Christmas tree ship would be active again this year. So she sounds like a high school kid in the movie what Heathers? What do you want from me, man? <laughs> that. You don't pay me enough for this. That young lady was the oldest Schooneman daughter, Elsie, surprisingly with no German accent. <laughs> sure enough, she and her mom, along with the help of the twins, continued the family business. Elsie stayed in Chicago to be the face of the business, while her mom, Barbara, went up to Manistique to supervise the collecting of the Christmas trees and loading them onto train. They did keep a ship in the Clark Street dock to be used as their Christmas tree lot, but the Schoonemans wouldn't let Lake Michigan take another of their family. Big Bill Sullivan, the sailor who saw the rats scurrying away from the Rouse Simmons, felt he owed a life debt to Schooneman, so he worked for Elsie and Barbara. Elsie believed in loyalty like her father, so she made it her mission to compensate all of the families of those lost aboard the Rouse Simmons as best she could. Captain Santa's family's Christmas tree business continued for the next 25 years until sentiment eventually waned and the business folded. 
Barbara Schooneman died in 1933 and is buried beneath a grave marker also listing Herman, even though his body was never found. The daughters died penniless and are nearby in unmarked graves. This is a happy Christmas story. <laughs> Jeez. It is said, though, when you approach the Schooneman grave site, you can't help but to notice the distinct smell of fresh-cut pine trees in the air, despite no such trees being present. Ooh. And as early as December 1912... Ooh. Weeks after the Rouse Cinnamons went down, there have been reportings of a ghost ship adorned with tattered sails and Christmas lights floating in the waters of Lake Michigan. Sightings of the ghost ship are so common that people would gather for years along Lake Michigan on Christmas Eve for a glimpse of the ship. There have been numerous reports of a ghost ship ringing its bell in the foggy night and moving at speeds unnatural for a ship of that size. Yo, ho, ho, we're in the ball. <laughs> It was a drizzly late October day in 1971 when Kent Bell Richard was scuba diving in the already frigid waters of Lake Michigan, searching for the wreck of the Vernon. Local fishermen complained something on the bottom of the lake kept catching their nets. So Bell Richard's research had him fully expecting to find the wreckage of the Vernon, a steamship that sunk nearly 100 years prior and left only one survivor. Down at the murky depths of Lake Michigan, Bell Richards' dive light malfunctions right as he finds the wreckage of the ship. But it was too small to be the Vernon. The total darkness and 180 feet depth of Lake Michigan weren't going to stop him from completing his dive. He continued to search around the bottom of the Great Lake by feel. He got the got to the hull of the wreckage where he discovered... Christmas trees. (laughs) On return dives to the wreckage, Bell Richards discovered a few things. The ship had lost its mizzen mast, which is the mast to the rear or aft of the ship. Many ships had horseshoes attached for good luck, and a horseshoe looking like the letter U is the correct way to hang one for luck, so the horseshoe can collect the luck like a pot of gold. But the horseshoe hanging on... the pot of your dad, Matt Anthony. (laughs) Wayne, from an earlier episode. (laughs) But the horseshoe hanging on the Rouse Simmons wreckage was missing a nail and hung upside down like all the luck had run out. Now, you are very superstitious. That's why I had you do that part. Do you have a horseshoe or have you ever had a horseshoe? No, but um, one time when I moved into a new house, somebody had left um, a very small crucifix hanging on the wall. And my grandpa was a very Catholic. He was an altar boy. Mm. And um, I, I'm i not religious at all. I'm very spiritual, but I'm not religious. And um, But I felt very, like, I was like, I can't take this down. Like, if I mm. remove this, like, there's a reason why they left this here. Maybe the place is haunted. Maybe, you know, like, I don't know. But that was that felt like, I got real superstitious about that. So it stayed there the whole time that I lived there. And people would come over and, you know, mention it because it was like, this isn't you. But right. I'm like, I'm not taking it down. Are you Are you kidding me? But yeah, like certain things, I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm like super superstitious, but like certain things, I'm just kind of like, I've, I, I'm more weary of certain things yeah. than others. Yeah, like you walk, you have a ladder set up coming into this room that you like to walk under yeah no that yeah. doesn't bother me at all yeah right <laughs> you you spill salt constantly i do you never throw it over your shoulder mm-hmm. unless i'm standing behind you mm-hmm. and then you're just like take this old man so. 
I'm not super superstitious either. Nah. But we do have a horseshoe hanging up in our house. Do you? Yeah. Where? It was on the back wall by our door wall, but now it is on the wall um, with all the art. Oh, I don't think I've noticed it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I'll be looking for that next time. You should. So 35 years later, in 2006, underwater archaeologists investigate the wreckage of the Rouse Simmons to see if they could determine what happened exactly. And it appears during the night, a wave washed overboard a bundle of the trees, and Schooneman sent out two sailors, Ingvald and Stevens, to check the lashings. Ingvald and Stevens from the message inside Nelson's bottle. Yep. And the wave must have washed them overboard, too. So based on the anchor chain, it looks like Shinman tried to drop anchor to weather out the sudden rough waters in the night. But the lake was too deep where they were at and the anchor never touched down. So that, along with the now unbalanced load of icy Christmas trees, made the ship front heavy and it started taking on water. Plus, there was poor caulking found in the hall. So the Rouse Simmons should have gotten the yearly maintenance that was needed. Yeah, that is crazy that it's a ship that's almost been in duty twice as long as ships should have been back then. So the ship was facing northwest, too. So it looks like Schooneman was trying to get to safety. And it was just five miles from the shore. And who knows, if the gas tug in Kiwani had been available, maybe everyone aboard the Wouse Simmons would have been saved. But since this is a Christmas episode of Great Lakes Confidential, we're not going to end things on a total bummer. All right, bring it home, Angie. To this day, the U.S. Coast Guard honors the legendary Christmas tree ship and Captain Santa. The Cutter Mackinac makes a ceremonial voyage every year to deliver Christmas trees from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan to Chicago's disadvantage. Because that's what Christmas is really about. It's about honoring old traditions and doing good for our fellow humans. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, how lovely are the branches, oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, how lovely Christmas traditions? Yes and no. We've had Christmas traditions in the past. Um, the biggest Christmas tradition that we had was um, everybody would go to my grandma's house, my grandparents' house. It was on Christmas Eve. And then as we got a little bit older, everybody kind of wanted to be at their own houses to wake up Christmas morning. So we changed that to a different date. But my grandparents would have like 20 to 25 of us in their house for a Christmas, a big Christmas get together. And then after grandpa died and, um, you know, family dynamics changing, uh, we kind of separated that. And now the newest family tradition that we've started uh, is my sister, 
my kids, my sister's kids, and me and my grandma, we have a much smaller family Christmas with just us. We have whatever we want for dinner. So this year, actually, we're having nachos. Oh, that's awesome. We, um, we started having a hot cocoa every night, you Ooh. know, because um, the kids and I really love hot cocoa. And um, then we open presents and we're huge into board games. So we play board games every year. And since this episode will come out after Christmas, I can say after we do my family Christmas, I can say that. um, So we're big on Uno. We play Uno every year. We have Uno attack. We have we, we love Uno. Well, this year, George found an Uno game called Uno No Mercy which has different rules and it seems very intense and almost vindictive. And this so this episode's coming out on the 22nd, you know. Yep. Okay. We're doing cool, our Christmas cool. before that. So okay. so he got he got my family Uno no mercy. Oh. And cuz he wants basically he just wants to watch us fight each other on, <laughs> on Uno. So so that's one of our traditions. Um, you can tell this is the first year into your relationship with yes. them because I would say I already know <laughs> You guys are probably going to fight with each other. I don't know that you need a game. <laughs> he watched us play Uno uh, Uno Attack a couple weeks ago. Okay. And when we left, he was just like, wow, you guys really take your board game seriously. And I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Because we're, like, we're yelling at each other and we're all freaking out and we're getting like very into it. And it's just Uno. It's not that serious. But to us, it is. And it's yeah, like one it's of the weird. one. I didn't know there were different versions of Uno. So oh, yeah. counting Uno Classic, we've now listed trace versions yeah. of Uno. Oh, you are so clever. It's disgusting. Uno Attack is cool, though, because it comes with this thing. And you, instead of like, if you have like draw four, you push a button and it spits out cards at you. So it's not just you only get four cards. On a draw Ooh. four, you push the button four times. And however many cards it spits out at you, that's how many cards you have to take. Cool. So that's why it's called Uno Attack. Neat. But and if you go to MiltonBradley.com and use coupon codes confidential, <laughs> they will also tell you this isn't a valid coupon code. Not a code. <laughs> um, but it's like the one, everybody in my family is so very different. My sister and I are very, very different people. We're complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And everybody likes different movies or different music. We can't agree on any of that stuff, but we can agree on board games. And so that's become our thing that even though we're fighting during a board game, because it's all fighting out of love and we're laughing and we're having a really good time. That's like the one thing that we can all connect on. And so that's our that's our thing. What about you? I don't know yet. We've been in kind of a weird transition. Uh, My brother lives about an hour and a half away and we've tried to accommodate having my mom be able to see us and see my brother. But, you know, I I want to start focusing more on my kids now that Benjamin is four and I want to start trying to make Christmas traditions starting this year. And uh, so, yeah, I I don't know what we're going to do. Well, you do have one tradition that I know of just from the last couple of years with nannying and stuff. You always have the the train around the tree. This year, when we went to set it up, two of the curve pieces of the track were missing. Oh, and uh, so I had to go on eBay oh, and no. pay too much money 
for two pieces of curved track. Because, you know, those probably those pieces are probably lost under a couch somewhere or in a toy box or. You know what? Because I'm an older dad, I tend to spoil him way too much. <laughs> no. And uh, sometimes we I go, wow, there are too many toys here. So I get a Rubbermaid bin yep. and I throw them a bunch of toys that I haven't seen in a while <laughs> in the in the bin and move them to the basement. So the curved tracks are probably yep. in the basement. Oops. Yeah. What about Gambit? What does he like for? Hot cocoa. Okay. Um, He, even at 14, one of his favorite things to do is to have hot cocoa and snuggle dates with me. Aww. So we will have hot cocoa. We'll watch either horror movies because those are our favorite. Yeah. Um, but every year we try to watch like Home Alone. Um, there's a couple of other Christmas movies that we always try to to check out. Um, but Home Alone is always, always the the big one. And we usually just have hot cocoa. And um, in years past, he's really enjoyed making hot cocoa, um, uh, hot cocoa bombs. Mm-hmm. Like we have all the stuff to make hot cocoa bombs. The problem is my kitchen now is very, very tiny. So he and I cannot work in there together. Yeah. Um, but Hot chocolate is just kind of our our thing. Cool. Um, another tradition that we had, um, they do the lights at Heinz Park. Yes. Um, have you ever driven? Yeah, we them? did it. We've already done it this year. Oh well. Both kids already fell asleep by the time we got there. Oh, nice. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Well, Jordan, God, this was years ago. I'm gonna say, Gambit was probably like three. So we're talking like ten plus years ago. Um, Jordan took me to see the Christmas lights and Mm. it started to become a tradition. And then because of different things happening, COVID being a big one where they couldn't do, you know, they didn't do them for a while. Um, that tradition kind of stopped Well, we were going to do it this year. And then we ended up, they got a snowstorm in Lansing the night that they were supposed to come down. Mm. And I said, I don't want you, you know, it, it had been raining here all day and it was supposed to turn to snow. And I was like, I don't want you guys driving all the way down here, have the roads get really crappy. And then you have to try to drive back to Lansing. So, um, so we weren't able to go. So it's a tradition that we haven't been able to do in a while. And that's kind of a bummer, but he really likes doing that. Um, he, with his dad, when he was really little, we used to go to the zoo when they did the Christmas lights oh, at cool. the zoo, too. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of, like, we have these traditions that we did for years and years and years and would still like to do again. But for one reason or another, we haven't been able to make it happen. But a lot of them just revolve around hot chocolate and Christmas <laughs> lights. <laughs> I like that because it involves staying at home. Yeah. And yeah. it's not expensive to make your own hot cocoa. Yeah. But they have to be hot cocoa made with milk. That's okay. okay. So this is a big this is a big thing, right? My nephew loves hot cocoa, does not want his made with milk. He want like he only likes his made with water. Huh. I am very I'm a purist. It has to be made with milk. Two percent or whole, because then it's nice and full and feels better. It's like you're consciously trying to not say thick. Yeah, well, because it's not really thick, but it's like because the right, it, yeah, it's, the it, perfect it's a different consistency. Consist- yeah. yeah, water has is too watery. Right, yeah, exactly. I get it. Yeah, and then something else that I've realized is that Ready Whip on top is good, but actual Cool Whip is better. Hmm. Again, it's got like I don't know. It's like the consistency of it. It like kind of sits on top for a bit, and as it like melts into the hot cocoa, it just I don't know. It's it's like 
It's a different experience. Okay. Also, I would use one and a half packets of hot chocolate to your cup of milk. Because I like mine extra chocolatey. Yeah. Have you ever added like a candy cane in it? No. That's good. I really cut corners and did the cake cup uh, hot chocolate. And Benjamin (laughs) was not interested. And now I'm realizing, oh, yeah, that's that's why you put zero heart into yeah, it yeah yeah there's a whole just trust me on this just try it again my way there's like a oh whole, i will yeah it's that yeah i'm not asking you to fill out like christmas you know content for the <laughs> podcast i'm asking you because i legitimately want to know how can i make christmas good yeah try try the 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 good hot cocoa okay um thin mints are good with hot cocoa um biscoff cookies are great with hot cocoa um marshmallows obviously um but like Benjamin begged and begged for marshmallows and we got them and then didn't make hot cocoa yet and then saw them in the store again and he's like oh marshmallows I was like no we got them and then when I finally opened them he's like I don't like marshmallows I was like what (laughs) (laughs) you wanted them twice and then you're like nah no I'm just also I'm four I nothing makes sense that I do And Harry was like, I'm going to hold one in my mouth long enough for it to be really sticky and going to spit it out and get this stickiness off of the front of my uh, face. And I waited to spit it out till after he took my bib off. It's on my pajamas now. (laughs) Deal with that, dad. Yuck. Yeah. Another tip, um, put like a nice big spoonful of Cool Whip on top and then drizzle caramel sauce on it. Ooh. Wow. You can do so much with hot cocoa. You can sprinkle like a little bit of cinnamon on top. Um, Yeah, we do it. I'm telling you. My sister doesn't like regular, like she doesn't like milk chocolate hot hot cocoa. She likes white chocolate hot cocoa. Ooh. So we always get her the white chocolate kind. Um, uh, you can get, um, hot chocolate or you can get chocolate flavored, um, whipped cream to put on top of it. I know there's so many more things. You know, I'm stopping at Meyer now on the way yeah, home. You should. Yeah, you should. Yeah, make, I definitely am. Do like a, um, a hot cocoa charcuterie board with Ooh. like marshmallows and, and, um, candy canes and what are they called? They're like cookies, but they're in like a, they're like tube cookies Oh, I know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah, they almost look like straws. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Use that and put it in there. The key, though, when you're you're eating cookies with hot cocoa is to make sure that the cookie is not like a chocolate chip cookie that's soft because it's going to get really soggy really quickly, but something harder like a Biscoff cookie so that when you dip it and it gets soggy, it's not like a mushy mess and then falls into the bottom of your hot cocoa and then you end up with this gross, like washed food mm. you know yucky food at the bottom of it um so get like a harder and a, a denser cookie that you can dip in to your hot cocoa all right <laughs> well, i know people are like man we're gonna be talking about a shipwreck and 16 sailors dying merry christmas but i'm glad that we also <laughs> filled out one third of the episode with Hot chocolate recipes. Yeah. <laughs> Follow me for more hot cocoa recipes. <laughs> Follow Angie's new Instagram, Coco Mojo. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a good idea. It really is. Yeah. 
when you were saying the charcuterie board of like hot cocoa stuff, I'm like, ooh, if I liked my job a little bit more, I would suggest a team building thing for Christmas. <laughs> but I'm just there to do my job and go home. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for, uh, again, letting me be part of, of the course. podcast. Uh, you set up a phone number for people to call. I did. I hope that people have called already. We haven't, um, I haven't checked. So I'm I'm hoping that there might be some cool little messages on there. But yeah, just so people know, we are recording this one uh, pretty far in advance. Uh, it is currently December 10th which is before any episodes where the phone number has been announced. Um, so, yeah, if, if you've left a message, it's just because we're being proactive in getting these recorded because holidays can get away from us. Yes, definitely. But if you are interested in leaving us a message, uh, you can call 313-489-0739. And if you don't want us to play the actual message on the show. Just let us know. Um, we'll just say your name and what city you're from. So make sure you leave that information as well. Um, but if you are interested, we'll totally play the whole message on air. Um, just keep it, you know, family friendly. And yeah. Yeah. And then I was thinking about this uh, since this will be going up December 22nd. Um let us know what Michigan-based resolutions you might have. Like, Ooh. is there something that you want to, a place in Michigan you want to visit that you haven't visited before? Like, I really want to go to that elevated nature walk that mm -hmm. you covered on the podcast. Whiting so, Forest. Yeah. Yep. So that is my 2024 Great Lakes Confidential New Year's resolution. I love that. What a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I because I had to look at my phone for that phone number, and I was looking in my notes section, uh, Stroop waffles are really good for hot cocoa, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, you put it right on top of the cup. I like it that that was just <laughs> front and center on your notes on your phone. Only the important stuff, man. Coco Mojo. <laughs> um, Follow IG. <laughs> Not only is it her... Instagram at Coco Mojo. <laughs> it's her OnlyFans, but I, I we really don't want to. You know what? That's not for a family mm -mm. show. No, so. no, family friendly. All yeah. right. Uh, yeah, I like the idea though for Michigan Great Lakes Confidential Michigan resolutions. That's 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 cool. I didn't think of that. I don't know what mine would be. Have you done the Motown Museum yet? I think when we brought no. it up at one point in time, you had it. Yeah, I, I've never been there. I did a show. We did a we did do an episode on it, but we didn't go there. I highly recommend it. You know what I really do want to do? I want to stay in a treehouse. Ooh, like you can rent a treehouses in northern Michigan and oh. stay the night. Huh? And they're like fancy. Neat. Yeah. So I think maybe that'll be my Michigan. Oh, I like that. Yeah, resolution is to stay in a treehouse. Yeah, because I I really enjoy camping, but I'm too I'm too scared to camp in a tent. Plus, I'm old, and like sleeping on the ground is not conducive to like being able to do anything for the rest of the weekend. Um, but I'm also afraid of heights, and so I I feel like pushing myself to sleep in some place that's elevated by like you know 15 feet off the ground will challenge my my fear. 
And so, um, so yeah, I think that'll that'll be mine to stay in a treehouse in, in twenty twenty four in yeah. Northern Michigan. Yeah, I love it. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So if you have any to share, please share on our uh, Facebook page, or you can share on our Instagram. You can call us at that number I've already uh, told you. Coco Mojo is not a real thing. It's not a real thing. Yeah. It might be someday, but not just yet. So. Um, the OnlyFans is just you and Lauren stepping in like Coco. <laughs> it's all just feet stuff. All right. We're going to get out of here. So have a great week. Um, have a great Christmas. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, have a really good holiday season, whatever it is that you're celebrating. Yes. And thank you to the listeners, too, who have uh, actually listened to my album and sent me very nice uh, messages about it. I really enjoy that a lot. And I know that this is a family-friendly podcast and i hope my alarmingly (laughs) profane mouth did not turn you off from listening to this podcast uh if anything i hope it uh really makes you know how scary angie is that she keeps me in line (laughs) i actually just listened to the album um yesterday as i was cleaning and i mean yeah, but you know me. I know, I know. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't want to say that I'm not surprised by the album because I don't want that to come across as like flippant. No, but, yeah, but no, you know, like the real version of every story I do. on it. So you I know, do. like, what's real and what's embellished for comedy. So true. Yeah. But also, like, what does surprise me and not in a, like a weird, I don't know how to say this. Anyways. I'm always so surprised by how well you're able to deliver jokes and how well you're able to do crowd work and um, get off topic, but then bring it right back to where you need to be. And it's just, uh, it's a really cool thing to witness um, on the album and in real life because we are so close and we have been for a while. So I, I am one of the lucky, the few lucky people that get to witness stuff like that as it's happening and I'm always amazed by it. Um, But I love the album. It's, it's really funny. It's, it's very you. So, (laughs) so please, if, if you're, if you're into um, a lot of uh, sweary conversation and inappropriateness, Matt Wixon, I think said uh, it's kind of filthy, but has a lot of heart. It does. Yeah, it does. And what's it called again? So long, and thanks for all the fish. That's right. Okay, yes. and I listen to it on Apple, so you can listen to it on Apple. Yeah. It's it on Spotify. Everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So after you've listened to this episode with your children, and they go to bed, you yes. can listen to Mike's new album. Yes. <laughs> and then leave Angie a voicemail message and say, please, just get a new co-host. <laughs> Never. All right. Thank you, Mike, for for writing this. It was a good, fun story. I appreciate it. Thank you it. for letting me be part of, of course. your uh, your baby here. Always, always. Um, and like I said, for the rest of you, thank you so much for listening. Um, Merry Christmas. Have a good New Year, winter break, whatever it is that you guys have going on. Um, be safe out there. Watch for deer and text us when you get home. And don't eat venison if its nose was glowing red, eh? <laughs> That was probably Rudolfo. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> <laughs>
I am Lake Michigan. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to have to do voices. <laughs> you committed to him. I did my best. It was wonderful. <laughs>